Can you tell me about your hotel room? Because it looks super fancy. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's Also, not where like, are you? I'm in London. Um, in Notting Hill, actually. So on the west side uh, of London. But yeah, it's, it's a cool neighborhood. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's like these rooms above this pub. It's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. How do you get work done? I don't work in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> not I that don't I'm against work that. in the pub. <laughs> There's some good coffee shops around. Drink some tea. It's great. Have you seen any celebrities? I feel like Notting Hill has celebrities. I mean, I we just got here yesterday, so or to Notting Hill that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll keep my eyes out. Maybe Hugh Grant's wander. Hugh Grant yeah. and uh, Julia Roberts are wandering around somewhere. What's the iconic line from that one? I'm just a. I'm just a girl asking <laughs> a boy, or I'm just a boy standing in front of a girl asking. Him to love her, right? Something like that, yeah. I was going to say, you had me a hello, but that was Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Sometimes it's easy to get all those mixed up, you know? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Notting Hill in like 20 years, so. <laughs> it's, it, it holds up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to just jump in? Let's do this thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. Hello, people, puppets. Huh? How's know. it going, everybody? Apologies for the slight delay on getting this episode out. As Chris explained earlier, I am uh, abroad at the moment, but we'll be back next week for episode six. But um, I was very excited to be able to... Uh, watch episode five red dawn from over here in the uk wow um there's so Mm. much to talk about but before we really dive into things um as always i think we need to invite everybody to join us on facebook and and kind of participate in the conversation at facebook.com excuse me facebook.com slash this american horror story you can also send us emails at this american horror story at gmail.com and please go ahead and uh, head to itunes and rate us and review us we really appreciate it, and it helps uh, more people find the podcast, which is always awesome. I am not currently drinking anything, Chris, which is unusual. What? How about you? <laughs> uh, well, because we're time difference here, it is 8 in the morning on this side of the pond, and I have my uh, coffee with hazelnut creamer. It's delicious. Mm, lovely. Getting your morning going. I'm glad to hear it. Well, we have so much to talk about, and I can't wait to really dive into it. Um, That is episode five, Red Dawn, the midway point of American Horror Story 1984, season nine. Can't wait to start talking about that. Uh, Before we begin, a couple quick things I wanted to go over with you um, that was brought up on Facebook and through uh, email over the past week. The first one I wanted to talk about is... um, the idea of the Night Stalker being revived by Satan, which we saw in episode at the mm-hmm. end of episode four, right? Right. So assuming this is the same, I mean, not assuming, this is the same world as, you know, the American past Horror seasons. Story. It's the American Horror Story <laughs> world. Universe, yeah. A little interesting, I mean, right, th- uh, there was a few people pointing out kind of the disconnect that, you know, last mm-hmm. season, Michael... Before he's really found his true calling of Satan, when you know back in time when he get he gets hit by the car, right? Right, right. Uh, and and that's what kills him. And but Satan doesn't bring him back. You know that that skews the whole timeline when mm-hmm. he gets hit by that car and killed. 
However, here we have the Night Stalker being revived completely. I mean, maybe, so there was a lot of buzz both, I mean, we, we had some talk about it on Facebook and through email, and I, I saw some of this on like Reddit and different places too. I guess the, the biggest theory I could come up with is like Night Stalker had already um, reached his full Satanist maturity, something like that, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I guess so. It's one, I applaud people for thinking this deeply into it, and I, I've I've kind of gone there too, but this isn't, you know, the Marvel universe where it's really thought out by Kevin Feige. <laughs> right. It's thought of every season and they try to make it fit. So yeah, it's it's odd and it doesn't sit correctly, but yeah, really I, nice. I give it leeway. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we can throw out a theory and, and just kind of go with it. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up is that Jamie Lee had sent us this really interesting theory, I thought, that was basically the idea behind it was that the season we've been seeing so far was actually a 1980s slasher film. And it was kind mm-hmm. of going to be a meta thing in which then the second half of the season we would back out and see the actors and actresses in their real lives and potentially they would then be you know, haunted or start dying in kind of a um, curse of the poltergeist movies situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it was also, it would be kind of a Roanoke type situation too. But like specifically focused on kind of the concept that we've seen before of like, you know, actors who are in a movie end up kind of dying in similar ways to, you know, the movie they were in, or kind of being haunted by movies, something along those lines. And I thought it was a good theory. Um, Bryce also shared the theory that was circulating that maybe we were seeing something of uh, Madison Montgomery's uh, acting career prior to her going to the coven. And we mm-hmm. would kind of zoom out and see that. After this episode, I'm a little less sure about any of those, but I don't know. <laughs> After this episode, we discovered we're all smarter than the than the writers. <laughs> But I mean, not really. But, we'll we'll get to I mean. this. I've got. A, I mean, I think you and I probably both have a lot of questions about where the hell the second half of the season is going. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we'll, we'll reserve that for a little bit later on. Uh, man. So diving into Red Dawn. Do Which you, have you seen the movie Red Dawn? I have not ever seen the movie Red Dawn. <laughs> I saw it way long ago. It's not that great. It stars a lot of. So this this falls in line with them just naming movies that came out in like 1983, 1984 that weren't that or that I don't know. I can't find something that relates to this episode. But in 19 or the, the in the film, it's about World War Three, essentially, and it stars a bunch of uh, celebrities from well, they are famous now, like Charlie Sheen and uh, what's her name? Uh, 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 gosh. Um Oh my gosh! From what? Jennifer Grey, uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, yeah, That's what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, not Flashdance because that was Slashdance, but mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and Patrick Swayze's in it. Anyway, it's like a bunch of high schoolers. World War Three is happening, communism, and they're getting attacked. And anyway, it's yeah. I, I don't. It doesn't. I, I I have not found a connection. Anyway, that's what Red Dawn is. the The title is based off of a 1984 film. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Moving on to the cold open, which I want to preface by saying, to me, this was like one of the scariest scenes we've seen on American Horror Story in a long time. Very visceral. <laughs> Do you want to describe a little bit of uh, the major moments? Well, we get so we get a flashback. Surprise, surprise. Um, 1980, and it's of Donna. She's essentially trying to spy on her dad whom she thinks is cheating on her mom. Turns out, um, it's kind of cool, like the way she like creeps into this apartment thinking she's going to catch him cheating because he's done this so many times. 
and she hears sounds from the other room. Sounds like could be sex sounds. Turns out she opens the door and there is a woman uh, handcuffed to the bed with her uh, intestines essentially sliced open and out. Uh, her stomach sliced open and her intestines out. So she's freaking out trying to save her. Uh, dad shows up. Dad, she, she talks about how, Dad, I thought with this, that. And he's like, has the whole conversation, which is the theme of this episode. Are you born as a killer or is it something that develops or that evolves in within you nature versus nurture uh but instead of killing donna which we think he's about to do he stabs himself in the neck end yeah. of scene end of scene a couple of key things that i just thought were were uh so intense in the scene when the the woman who's in the bed when her eyes like go wide and you see that she's looking over her shoulder you see like there's, i don't know i just had like a chill run down my spine and then when she turns around and says dad because i think they were careful for her not to outright say dad before this because yes. it's kind of at first you're like well is she like is this her husband is this her boyfriend i thought she was um, investigating one of her serial killers or something and then at one point she said like i promise not to she says something about like telling mom mom later so i was like well is it like her brother what's going on and then it occurred that it was like oh shit that was yep. crazy um her father who that actor i thought did a fantastic job mm -hmm. uh his name is tim ross and he's known for his roles in um star trek voyager as mm -hmm. lieutenant commander tuvok um he was frank on samantha who and as principal franklin on the nickelodeon series iCarly. <laughs> So, you know, never seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. But I thought he did a great job with this. Yeah. Um, man, the yeah, their conversation was intense when he's talking about like the hunger that he can't feed. Mm -hmm. and, and they totally have like the conversation is, as you said, you know, are you born evil or are you formed evil by experiences? And we really right. dive into that as the episode continues. Um, wow. Absolutely brutal. And we get Same. Donna's whole we, we realize that she's telling the truth when she let Jingles go free, which is. You know, she doesn't believe that people are born dark. She's a psychologist and she wants to help them fix that. And that's in her weird, sadistic ways. She she actually does want to figure that out. I thought this was some really good backstory on Donna because it like. And I mean, I think there was a lot of folks, including both of us, frustrated with like how illogical her experiment was. Mm -hmm. And I think this just kind of goes to show that like maybe she wasn't exactly driven by um rational emotions you know what i mean right it seems like this was clearly a horribly traumatic experience that happened just four years ago and she's been kind of on this uh i don't know incredible path to try to prove out this theory in in you know ensure that like her father was not truly born with this darkness and, and by association that she was not either right. so I, I thought this was a great cold open i really yeah uh, i agree like i said chilling great backstory excellent um okay so back in you know modern times <laughs> back in 1984 <laughs> well 84 i guess back Four in the current later. time the current time of the story yeah. um Night Stalker's kind of giving, you know, her this lecture. This is where we left off last episode. And he kind of voices what we all had thought, that her experiment was total bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm. And then we, we see her father kind of, like a vision of her father appear, I guess, facilitated by Satan, is yes. my understanding. Or, yeah, yeah. Not explained, but that's what I'm thinking. And he seems to be, like, telling her that she has the same darkness in her that he had in him. Mm -hmm. Um 
kind of trying to uh, she's born provoke, from it, so she has it. Yeah, yeah. provoke her inner mm-hmm. serial killer, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so that's uh, the way we kind of kick things off uh, in this particular episode. We're going to be jumping around a little bit here because there yeah, was kind was of all over a lot place. of plots that were weaving all over the place. I am going to say that one thing that did a little bit. I, there, I I loved. It. I'm going to. Spoiler, I love this episode for a lot of reasons. The main thing that annoyed me about it is we had a lot of characters explaining things to other characters that we already knew as an audience. I agree. I agree. I love this episode too, but I'm like, stop explaining yourself. We already know this. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... It's like filler. They could have glossed over some of that. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So let's talk a little bit about Xavier and kind of the reckoning he's going... uh, He's having, because I think this is going to play out a little bit in the rest of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we open the episode, uh, his, you know, role in the episode with kind of, he's panicking. He's going to burn down the whole camp. He, he it seems like he's in like a little bit of a he's gone cuckoo. psychosis situation. Yeah. And they kind of just need to, Margaret knocks him out to kind of settle him down until he comes back around. <laughs> that was funny. Um, we have the kind of the classic regrouping scene in the cabin where we briefly have safety in numbers until, of course, we decide we're going to split up again for arbitrary reasons. <laughs> For 1984 reasons. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and Chet and Margaret are going to cross the river in a boat. I also to, thought it was to a find little... the campers that we've never seen. <laughs> right. I also thought it was like unnecessary. You know, there's this part where Brooke says, "Are they really going to go find?" Basically, she says something like, "Why didn't Margaret mention the campers before?" Mm-hmm. And it was like, obviously, we all knew that, so it was a little. I don't know how I feel about them voicing like. Yeah, if it plays into time, the '80s silliness, or if it's just obnoxious. I I thought the same thing. Every time they introduce something new, and I I would write a question. I wrote down on this one, like, is she lying? And then Brooke would say, like, I didn't know there were campers. And it's like, okay, well now you've explained that, so there's no mystery there. She's definitely lying. Right. It's almost <laughs> as if the '80s, like the '80s theme, is a little bit of a. Um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. It's like it it makes it's more of a it gives them kind of a cushion because if this was any other season we would just be calling that annoying and stupid. Yeah, but but like because it's season, the '80s, we're like, well, maybe yeah, we're like maybe yeah. it fits into the silly '80s right. trope. You know what I mean? So this is why we say. need to interview a writer so we could be like, all right, what were you really trying to do? We really <laughs> pinned them down on these things. <laughs> um, and then of course we have Montana about to take Brooke down before she sees Ray out the window and, and goes running. And that becomes its whole other insane little little storyline. Sticking with the cabin, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Xavier is back and awake, and he's really... This is. I mean, we kind of see how his killing a birdie last episode is, is turning him into already, like, a person who's a lot more agreeable to violence. Um, he's upset, obviously, because he feels like Jingles ruined his acting career now that he's got burns all over his body. <laughs> and then, of course, when Donna re- arrives and he finds out that it was all her fault to begin with, he ends up trying to slash her to pieces. I, don't, I think he's got some kind of knife. I, lo- I loved his line here. It's your fault my future is in radio. Yeah, I was offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> but... He, I don't know, Xavier's on the up and ups for me. He's become a pretty great character. Yeah, he, I've actually, we'll talk about at the end, our kind of favorite yeah. and least favorite characters from this season, but he's, I think Cody, for instance, done a pretty solid job within this season. Yeah, much better than when he was Michael. Yes, I I agree with that. But I mean, that was a difficult 
you know, maybe what we're learning is that was just the position he was kind of put in with the storyline from you right. know, Apocalypse. Uh, Donna ends up escaping from Xavier, but is then cornered by Mr. Jingles, who's mad that she brought him to the camp in the first place. And she, he, you know, tells him the truth that he actually wasn't doing anything to begin with. And basically she, she, like, almost that, like she made him into a murderer and it's all her fault, kind of. Um, as he's this is another out of his example of when she starts explaining herself too much. Like, we got it. She's like, I, I all I wanted to know is if my father ever loved me or was he always a killer? I'm like, we, we got this point in the cold right. open. We can We've established this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Donna asks Jingles for her to yep. be his last kill, and he refuses to do it because he's in a more noble place now. He's, he says, Margaret's the only, there's only one left. Um, this she, is also he, the point where Jingles explains that Margaret was the killer, right? You said that? Yeah. To Donna, yeah. To Donna, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, this, again, an example of, like, because they're so separated. It's, yeah, exactly. And I think it's just, uh, you know, it's because they're so fragmented in groups. It's like they needed to have the moments where so-and-so told so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, so that way, we're, like, because not everybody obviously knows each individual thing. But as a viewer, it becomes irritating. Mm-hmm. And so he leaves Donna to live with what she's done effectively. And I guess we will um, find out what happened to her right. next week. Right, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Ray and Brooke. Mm. Uh, Ray is back, still has his head. Again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> those who, uh, the dead never die, as we say on American Horror Story. Um, you know, he's in a similar state as Jonas was, is walking around, can't remember exactly what happened. They decide to go hang out in the cafeteria, and Brooke shares her dream of being nobody. And we kind of dig a little bit deeper into her story. She talks about being the first in her class and how everyone hated her. And, you know, the second in class was, was like, really picked on her and turned everyone against her. And the twist of it is, of course, it's the asshole she ends up marrying. Uh Uh, And she's, I don't even know who I am. And and then Ray kind of has his little moment where he talks about always wanting to be a doctor and trying to impress others, made him forget who he was. He wanted this, to be like Quincy, which was a TV show back in the 80s and late 70s about, uh, it was like a medical mystery uh, drama. Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, he delivers the profound line to, to Brooke, don't feel like you have to change to fit into the world. You're pretty rad just the way you are. That's like and, every uh, Ryan Murphy mission statement for shows. Not only that, but I thought this was totally an homage to like a John Hughes segment in like the Breakfast Club oh, or something yeah. like that. That moment in the 80s. movie where it's like, yeah. you know, they they have the emotional thing, and, and you know, and then of course she kisses him, and you know, basically and then he Red talk- Dawn happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. And he convinces her to have sex, and we find out that she really was a virgin all along, and so Montana's uh, anger is misplaced. Which is what right. we had hypothesized was potentially true. Also, it was so gross of Ray to say, "Oh, I bopped your cherry." I, I that hated that nasty. too. That was disgusting. Like, come on. But I mean, we I guess if that. if the effect was supposed to be that, like, it was not nearly as a uh, romantic and stuff as yeah. it, like, they'd kind of played it up to be prior to that. I guess it was successful in that regard. Brooke didn't really seem that into it by the time she was finished. Yeah, that's with it, so. come on, dude. Ugh. And that's, of course, when she goes for a drink and finds... She's thirsty, yeah. <laughs> Ray's head in the fridge. Whoops. Oh, you had was... sex with a ghost, just like classic American Horror Story. Yeah, so does this mean she's going to become pregnant, pregnant? with uh, the Antichrist? She's going to be pregnant with something for sure, right? That, this is American Horror Story. <laughs> she's going to be pregnant with something. 
Good prediction there. Um, <laughs> of course, Book runs back to Montana at this point to tell her about Headless Ray, but Montana's in too much of a bloodlust to really pay attention to anything she's saying. Montana's gone off her rocker now. <laughs> this is and all the same night, too. We're still in the same night. I mean, People have they, just lost. They, they make a point that we're finally close to morning, I guess. Yes. Um, yep. And then Montana has her little monologue where... She again tells Brooke everything we already knew about her backstory, uh, but it also <laughs> included that you know, you know, I, it, it seemed like Montana was holding a little bit more baggage than just the fact that her brother was killed. Like she was frustrated with everyone kind of seeing her as a bad girl just because of her image, and everyone seeing mm-hmm. Brooke as a good girl was upsetting to her. Um, also, it was what a coincidence that she just happened to see Brooke in L.A. Yeah, you know, her her mortal enemy, Perfect basically. Target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Montana finally reveals to Brooke that Sam was her brother. And, of course, uh, in their skirmish, Brooke stabs Montana in the leg, like, really deep in there. And she mm-hmm. starts chasing after Brooke. In a scene that very much reminded me of, like, um, Jack Torrance limping after Danny in the hedge maze in The Shining. The way she's, oh, like, yeah. coming out of the cabin and, like, oh, I'm yep. going get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was funny back. with the school bus. <laughs> Ooh, we'll get to that when morning when morning breaks. <laughs> yeah. That fight lasted a long time. Um, it it really did. It was yeah. They tumble outside at nighttime, and then we cut later, and all of a sudden it's daytime, and they're still tussling. Mm-hmm. They're matched up. <laughs> oh, and then on their way across the river, we're talking now about Chet and Margaret. Uh, Chet, first of all, one I think I can't remember if Chet says it in the cabin or when he's on the boat what we're talking about when they're trying to find the campers he says we're going oh no it's on the boat he says we're going to get out of this nightmare and i thought that was kind of a message of the season and the goal for all these people now that we know what happens at the end of this episode they're trying to get out of this nightmare purgatory right and the thing about being in purgatory is you are stuck there for forever yes and also we get now uh margaret her whole goal was just to get them all by themselves so she can get them to confess their sins. Right. So apparently, I guess what we're uh, realizing is that Margaret never really had, you know, her wholesome intentions to have the, you know, redeem herself for her bloodlust that she had had when she was a camp counselor years before. She just wanted to kill more people. So it makes you wonder. Quite a roundabout complicated way to do this but well and we find out the kids actually were coming so i guess she was then <laughs> yeah, going that's what I she mean. was gonna like slaughter all the <laughs> all the Children? counselors and then all the kids not entirely sure what it's... her whole plan was yeah um uh, clearly she's a little bit off her rocker as well uh but there was a lot of parts about this scene that i really <laughs> did enjoy um it was awesome there was a part where she's like pushing him to confess and she kind of has the light from like I don't know where it was coming from, the cabins or something behind her head, and it was kind of like making this halo. And then she just starts beating him and tries to cut off his ear and then throw him into the lake with the anchor. Like, this was a little bit like end of um, end of Halloween, no, end of Friday the 13th with, like, when, you know, um, what's the girl's name that, like, sleeps in the in the boat on the um, lake at the end of... The original movie, the, you know the, yeah, the yes, oh my gosh, and then yes. Jason, then Jason comes out of the lake. It's like okay, this is she's gonna throw him into the lake like Jason with the anchor, so he can drown there. Um, and oh man, her ripping his ear off and stomping on his hand was just like I, I actually thought this scene was awesome. 
it, this was like honestly poor chet he's he yeah. actually turned out to be a really nice guy probably the nice like just, honestly the nicest guy of any of them and he's well trevor was trevor was the, pretty cool trevor turned brave, out cool too. like these nice. jock guys actually turned out to be like really good people or seemingly like good people and their sins that they're trying or that um margaret's trying to get them to atone for aren't at, d- don't really reflect who they are personally like mm-hmm. so chet probably did well we think we thought it was chet because he did uh steroids but she actually she implies says, there's something more to it yeah yeah she's like i can tell the real boys from the fake boys so i'm assuming she's trying to uh say that he's gay mm. that's what i kind of that's how i took it as Mm. But I wasn't entirely—I I wasn't entirely sure, so I was going to ask what you were interpreting that as. That's what—that's the way I kind of—that's what I that heard la- from. What's funny is that that language is also in itself an homage to sleepaway camp, kind of. Exactly. Totally. And actually, well, then I thought that I was like, maybe there's some transgender uh, conversation that's happening here, but I think that's too—I don't—I don't know. Well, I don't know. Ryan Murphy would go there, which good on him, but I don't think that they wrote that into like they led into that so i'm i and i was trying to think of like different clues that chet gave off that he might be gay but either way it was she made it seem that's what i that's what i inferred from that whole situation um and then the way he gets taken out is so much more messed up than any of the other people yeah like he gets Uh. beat and then he gets half his ear sliced off and then he gets the anchor tied to him, and then he gets the ear ripped up. Like, p- poor Same. dude. He did not, like, he, and he had already been, like, impaled oh, the gored, chest. like, very brutally. Yeah. I mean, he was probably already going to bleed out, but, oh, man. Yeah. I still don't think um, I'm completely sold on uh, Gus Kenworthy as an actor, but I think he's doing a great job for this. Like, he's... It's well he's, cast he's, up for the type of character that, you yeah. know, Chet's supposed to be. Yeah, he's and he's perfect. Like, former Olympian, totally. This is, yeah. yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, and then from there, I guess, following kind of the rest of Margaret's storyline for, for this, um, at least until Don breaks, you know, we have her running into Mr. Jingles at the archery range and him him tossing the keys, a passing of the keys, the real mm-hmm. Mr. Jingles, you know, Ms. Jingles, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, and he starts choking her until, of course, Xavier comes to fill Mr. Jingles with arrows. I love <laughs> And then he has this whole little monologue about being Robin Hood. That was hilarious. At a dinner theater. It was so funny. Yeah, and then, you know, this is the beginning of Xavier becoming his own serial killer, I guess. Yes. Um, having uh, made, made the turn. Right. And then, of course, Margaret was playing dead the whole time and plunges a knife into Xavier. <laughs> Wait, before um, before that, do you... So after Xavier killed Jingles, the little celebratory dance he did was amazing. I it was amazing. It, it was like... pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, he thinks he's saving Margaret, but... Surprise, surprise, Xavier was wrong. Get, gets really brutally stabbed. Mm-hmm. And then his ear sliced off, too. So. Um, and then, of course, that the, the night portion ends with Night Stalker bringing Jingles back because Jingles has accepted Satan, Satan as his as master at yep. this point. So, more, so let's talk about morning, which almost feels like an epilogue a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we actually finally see the kids arrive, which... I 99 bottles of beer they're singing. I, I had a lot of questions about whether or not kids would even show up once we had Margaret talking about, you know, her whole purpose being to 
right. kill the counselors. So I was kind of surprised that she would actually have the kids she shot in the first place. Um, as we said, Montana and Brooke still stabbing the shit out of each other just as the kids <laughs> unload. Um, and, of course, Brooke, it, we kind of see history repeat itself. Brooke is arrested and Margaret stabs herself in the leg with the idea, I guess, that she's going to, you know, frame Brooke for the whole thing all over again. Um, but, like, at the same time... It was like, opportunistic, well, though. She saw Brooke getting arrested, and she's like, alright, boom. She did it. Sh- yeah, but also, like, isn't everyone gonna wonder about Mr. Jingles having escaped from the asylum? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, These cops anyway. aren't very... They, they jump to conclusions really quickly. Well, I guess we don't know yet that Brooke has been convicted of anything. We just know... We don't see her after she gets arrested. Mm-mm. And we don't see any of her, I don't think, in the preview. Um, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Right. Um, meanwhile, you know, Ray's wandering the site, even though his head is in that bag. Um, he's basically become the new Jonas, although the old Jonas is still there, too. Um, mm-hmm. And and he kind of has this, it's, it's the same murder house thing, where, you know, you try to leave the murder house and you get sucked back into the murder house. It's the same thing when the ambulance tries to drive him out of Camp Redwood. He gets sucked out of the ambulance and put back in, in the campsite. Mm-hmm. Also hotel. Also hotel. And I think it's kind of also um, a literary illusion somewhat that we've got like the big Camp Redwood arc because, mm-hmm. you know, in Dante's Inferno, in, on your way into Purgatory, there's like the big, I don't remember, there, it says something Sign. in Latin that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, profound, but there's a, like the big uh, arc, arch, I guess, that, you know, says that you're in Purgatory. So I yeah. think there's, there's some point there. And then, of course, um, We've got uh, Night Stalker and Jingle stealing the police car and running away. Out, um, out of the camp because they are belong to Satan and they can now roam the world, I guess. Right. Uh, in, in kind of their own, um, maybe a buddy comedy we have come in here. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey, buddy, seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're headed to Los Angeles. I've seen some people saying, you know, maybe, the, you know. Los Angeles is where uh, Hotel Cortez is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Night Stalker also ends up going to San Francisco in real life later. So mm-hmm. maybe they're going to go perpetrate those murders as a, a tag team. Um, and then we have kind of the last scene where, Mont- well, not actually that was the last scene, but before that, Montana kills a police officer and we find out that, Which you know, seems so... <laughs> and we kind of figure out that, it, you know, this is just going to be the legacy of the spirits that are left in the campus. They're just going to kill, continue to kill people who come back to the camp, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, I do want to talk about the preview. Well, let's talk about the preview now because I do think it is relevant and then we'll rate the episode. Because, I, I mean, frankly, the the big question here, of course, is like, where does the season go from here? And, you know, in the preview, it, it kind of seems like we've got like a banality of purgatory situation where it's like everyone's just bored. So they said they're going to start killing people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, have half of our cast like that is, well, like like two-thirds of our cast that is now stuck in one location. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a reason that Brooke has to return. Margaret's going to have to return. We're going mm-hmm. to have to return to Camp Redwood to resolve whatever new uh, narrative or drama or conflict that needs to be addressed at Camp Redwood. Right. Well, and I mean, it makes you wonder if, you know, maybe Brooke is going to want revenge on Margaret for pinning the whole thing on mm-hmm. her. Is um, our characters, a serial killer? So our, yeah, so our characters who are still alive and roaming the world, I guess, are Brooke, obviously, I Margaret, Margaret, Brooke, uh, and Donna. And Donna. And then I guess Night Stalker and Jingles. Yes. Just... They're dead and out of Camp Redwood. But... Correct. Yeah, so they're kind of 
the in-betweeners. And then you've and, got everyone uh, well, else. Well, unsure. Yeah, okay. That's true. And so in the preview for next episode, we see Ray and Montana and um, Xavier who are kind of hanging out at the camp. But I don't think – do we see Chet in the preview? We don't. Although, we I don't mean, see Chet. We don't no see way, Trevor. There's no, no way birdie. Chet survived. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe if you're a good person, you're not going to survive. I don't know. Well, that's one of my questions. So the people that we have dead that died in this season so far in Camp Redwood are Ray, Montana, and Xavier. Chet, I'm pretty sure Chet's dead. We didn't see the body, but he went to the, I'm assuming he went to the body. It would take a lot for him to survive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Trevor, Birdie, Jonas. Those three pranksters, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blake, I think his name was Blake, the agent, the Xavier that tried to get him to be like, his, oh, he's like a hustler. yeah. That's and, a good Yeah, and then the cop, and then mm-hmm. the real nurse, Rita. Right. So I guess the thing here is it's like, um, you know. Do you cross over or do it, you stay? Right. So if you're a good person, I guess maybe you cross over. So if you're a Chet yeah. or a Trevor or a Birdie, maybe you do cross over, but. Right. Or Nurse Rita, I feel like she was a good person, so she probably just went to heaven. Oh, the real Nurse Rita. Yeah, yeah, the real yeah. Nurse Rita. And, and, and real Nurse Rita, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, Xavier's the only little bit of a question mark about that because, like, mm-hmm. he thought he was doing, he thought he was killing the serial killer when he killed Jingles. Yeah, he was, yeah. So he was he, trying he, to be a good person. But yeah, he was, he was trying to be a good Also, just like a lot of ghosts, there's, when you don't cross over, some, it's unresolved issue like there's something that you have to address before you can cross over so maybe they all have to do that yeah i mean you know so a lot, obviously business. a lot of questions i will serve you up i guess so now let's rate the episode and then okay. we can talk yep. a couple things about this the back half of the season okay yes so i give it 4.5 no 4.25 4.25 4.25 Four and a quarter severed ears. I love this episode. It was great. Um, I didn't. I, I did dislike a lot of the explaining. We didn't need that because we're smart. Uh, but the way that it all unfolded, and I love, as I've mentioned in previous episodes that we've done, when people are just crisscrossing and people are bumping into each other throughout the the whole con- the um, uh, the evening. It's super fun. And then we got to a place where essentially we could have ended this season, and it would have been great. I like it. So four point two five. What do you give it? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go for the full four point five. Um, nice. I mean, obviously, I you know I was the one who pointed out how much the explaining was was a little bit irritating, but there was a lot of things in this episode that overcame that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many good moments. I really loved the opening. I thought the cold open was like chilling, as I said before. Um, loved the Chet and Margaret in the boat scene. That was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the like the scene with the Xavier or Xavier shooting the arrows at Jingles was great. There was just some, I don't know, fantastic. I thought yeah. there was a lot of fantastic moments. This is maybe this might be one of my all time favorite American Horror Story so, episodes. I agree with you. I think had we not seen any other seasons and known that this ghost, like you die and you become a ghost and you're trapped, trope hadn't been played out in previous seasons, I probably would bump it up to four point five. Just because, right. like, well, oh, that's so cool. But because yeah, and, and of course, the coming back to life is always obnoxious. Recycling I mean, the same stuff, right? It's and so it, good. It works really in this is. one, though. Yeah, that's fair, and I, I, I get it. And it, but uh, I don't know. So eight point seven five, though. 
Part of the other thing I'm trying to do is divorce myself from my concern about what the second half of the season is going to yeah, be. Yeah, that's um, so. Let's let's talk about that now because at this point, it you know we had so many theories about there being some kind of twist, mm-hmm. and considering the previews, it seems like we're probably not getting a twist, right? Right, right. Which I is agree. kind of a I, surprise. Yeah, but it's also the one hundredth episode next week. Right. So are they going to do something crazy? That we just because they didn't the, give it they didn't give it away in the preview that's for sure. The preview was pretty short on substance. It, you know, like yeah. it just we had a couple flashes of them still being in purgatory back at the camp, but it's not really clear what that means. Yeah, it almost reminded me of the um, preview episodes or previews that they would do for Mad Men, where you just wouldn't know what the hell is going on at all. It's just random stuff put together. So I don't know. So maybe they do have something more exciting that we're not quite aware of yet. Yeah, we're gonna like like isn't well Sarah Paulson supposed to come back briefly? So I'm not sure. I can't remember which episode. Episode seven, I want to say. I'd have to revisit. I'd have to don't hold me to that because I'd have to revisit my preview notes. But I I think it was episode seven. I think I saw Um, Lily Rabe is gonna briefly appear again. mm. Also, I did see that we only get nine episodes. Did you see that? Wait, what? There's we're only gonna get nine episodes. There's not ten. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So we're more than halfway through. Wow. Yeah, the seasons of this show keep getting shorter and shorter. That's surprising to me, huh? Well, that that leads me to even more believe we're not going to get the level of some crazy thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I'll be curious to hear how people feel about that. I I'm kind of disappointed because I well I have mixed feelings because I do feel like we got a full season in five episodes, but mm-hmm. I just have like I have no idea what I want from the second half of this season. Same, which is kind of fun. Now, like, we're essentially, like, restarting a new story, it feels like. Yeah, interesting. Well, so that being said, what? Uh, just talk, um, who's your favorite character from the season so far? Dr. Darren Hopple. Karen Hopple, sorry. Dr. Karen Hopple. I'm just kidding. But also, <laughs> she died, did she die in the camp, or was she already, like, out of the camp? She died out of the camp on the street, but that's, like, not, that's kind of where Ray was, too, though, right? Maybe yes. he wasn't quite across like the the camp the gate. Line. It yeah. must be like past the camp gate. But then, like, where did didn't Jonas die on the street too? Yeah. Also, Jonas ch- chose a really inopportune time to explain purgatory to Ray after Ray died when Jonas was being like a doofus the whole time, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this is what happens." It's like, you, well, you could have explained that earlier, Jonas. Maybe maybe he doesn't remember unless he's talking to someone else who's dead. Oh, that's a good point. Totally. Mm. But then does that also mean that Jonas is a bad person to some degree? Yeah. What's his deal? That's a good question. Um, favorite character? I, there's a few. I, I think Chet has actually become a, like, I really like him. He's a good dude. Um, Ray was a jerk. Now he's cool again, but I don't know. Skeptical. Uh, I actually think Montana was really fun in this episode. <laughs> She was like she when she went full on killer. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah. uh, Billy Lord d- is doing a good job with this character. I like it much better than when last season when she was uh, the Mallory, like, Mallory the chosen one. Yeah, um, and and Brooke actually like I'm liking Emma Watt or okay, Emma. Uh, oh my God, Emma Roberts? Emma Roberts. Jesus, there's so many of them um, in this as well. But I will say I think Margaret as a character has become probably my favorite just because she's so ridiculous it's hilarious what do you think margaret's been a lot of fun um i want to give a shout out to trevor because i think that he has been he was a really Uh, fun character this season but i don't want to call him my favorite because i don't feel like there was enough of him he was kind of just like 
I, he's almost like a, he wasn't a cameo, but it kind of felt more like that. Cause, mm-hmm. but um, he was enjoyable for the time we had with him. I think that Xavier, I think that um, Cody oh, Fern yeah. is, is my is my season MVP so far. I think he did. That's pretty good. I think Xavier's been a really hilarious character. I've really enjoyed him and kind of his uh his character's arc. So I hope someone makes a gif of his little dance. Yeah. Oh, that would be. I'm sure there is already that out there. Yeah. Maybe if there is, I'm gonna put it as the the little image for this the lead image <laughs> <laughs> um least favorite characters or anybody you you haven't enjoyed as much uh night stalker jingles uh you know donna was a front leader for a while and then after this i'm it's i don't know it's kind of it's she was a good she was cool and fun and like smart and then she was evil ish and now she's sympathetic i think they've just she's tried to do too much with her she's yeah a great she's sympathetic yeah i, I agree but, with you that i liked her more in the first few episodes before we kind of i mean she was great in the cold open but i totally get yeah what right and then i'm like all right well i get and that's not i don't dislike her i just care about others more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do you think totally agree with you um but i i think that i don't know uh, I think it might be John Carroll Lynch's Mr. Jingles. I just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't find him particularly. I never, I, even when we thought Jingles was the bad guy, I didn't find him that scary. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. And especially now that we know he was kind of the teddy bear that just got framed. Right. Eh, eh. He just hasn't quite done it for me this season. Right. But, you know. We'll see what happens next, I guess. Do you think Brooke's going to be... Okay, What? so do you think that they're going to have to go back... They're, they're going to have to go back to the camp, right? They're going to have to go back to the camp because I don't see a scenario in which our purgatory characters get out of the camp unless there is some kind of twist that totally turns the, the table... The witches seasons. show up and flip the script. <laughs> right. So unless something major happens, we're going to have another revisit of the camp. And I don't know, maybe it'll be the 90s. Oh, Oh, that's right. Maybe we'll do a fast forward. Mm. I do so in the preview we do see them kind of killing people visiting the lake and that is very Friday the 13th 2 I believe um where that it's not an actual camp it's just vacationers showing up and they start getting killed so it like looks like we'll see a little bit of that at at the campground at the lake but um I a little bit wonder if that's just going to be what we see at the very beginning of the episode yes, it's kind of the open and then we're going to like we then we don't know story. what the real story is going to be yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Any more thoughts on this being kind of the, I guess, a little bit past midseason? I mean, I'm just surprised how clean it was and focused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, mean, impressively so. I would say, I as if this was like a, a bottle season that was only five episodes, I would say it was really solid and enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. It would be, it would be an actual nice mini series. It would be. <sighs> I don't know. I'm cur- I'm very curious to see where we're going from here. I'm, I I, w- I was gonna say I'm nervous about it, but I'm kind of not. Like you said, it's like I am satisfied enough with these first five that it's kind of like I'm just curious to see what happens. Do you have you ever <laughs> seen the movie uh, Heart and Souls? No. It's a good one. It's from the '90s. It's Robert Downey Jr. and um, oh gosh, but uh, who's Kevin Bacon married to? Kira Sedgwick. Mm, and there's, so there's four people essentially that get in a bus accident and die, and then they all become the guardian angels, quote unquote, sort of, of um, this baby that's born at the same moment. 
and it is the baby turns out to be Robert Downey Jr. And the four people appear to him as a kid, and then like he tells them to go away, so they disappear because he's being friends with these like imaginary people that only he can see and no one else can see, and people are worried about him. So they disappear, and they come back to him when uh, he's an adult because they all have unfinished business. So through Robert Downey Jr.'s character as an adult, they have to uh, finish their unfinished business so they can cross over. So I wonder if um, our ghosts at the camp are going to have to, uh, and the way they do this often is they take over Robert Downey Jr.'s body to finish whatever they had to do. Oh, so like it's almost like a ghost thing too. Well, so I'm thinking yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking that maybe all the people at that are stuck at camp will have to finish resolve their sin of what they did. So like Ray will have to confess about what uh, killing the frat guy or something like that. But also that's too clean for the yeah. show. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, just a thought. It is no, it's an interesting thought. It's a very interesting thought. My only thought was like, I, I little wonder if we're going to be in a situation where at the end of the season we're going to be like, well, the first half of 1984 is our second or first all time American Horror Story season. The back half of 1984 is our last half. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Good, good lord. Might have to have to talk about splitting it up. Um, so we did have some other questions that were thrown out there. That was like, I think Bryce had asked us which season of American Horror Story would we like to exist in for all eternity or something like that. At this point, knowing that there's only nine episodes left, I don't know. I kind of a little bit feel like let's hold it for the end. Let's hold it yeah. for the end of the season because like I feel like we're gonna have a lot of thoughts and feelings when the season wraps up, and we're gonna need to be discussing kind of these these questions yeah. i because i also it's, feel like we can't really weigh in on 1984 until we see what's going to happen in the second half of the season right all right and it'll be interesting to see this is also okay so the we talked about this but it is a little bit annoying that we are seeing the whole recycled ghosts die or people die and they stay in the same place we've seen that multiple times this is also what happens when the biggest complaint about american horror story is they just shoot too many ideas out there and then you've used up all your ideas so when you have to do a new season what are you going to do like now we're at the, finally at the point where it's it's like cycle. asylum where they packed it with aliens and nazis yeah, and zombies we didn't and... need that yeah, yeah yeah um i do have ideas already of what i want to see for future seasons but we'll save that for the end of after this season. nice well remember we need to start looking for potential hints of season 10 in this season too oh that's right you're right yep Ooh, exciting cool yeah. All right, folks. Well, I'll be back in the state. Uh, be back stateside next week, so we'll be recording <laughs> on time. Thanks you. Uh, thank you all for um, in, in during our slight delay, and of course for listening. Um, in the meantime, you can reach out to us uh, on Facebook at facebook.com/slash this American Horror Story, and you can email us at this American Horror Story at gmail.com. And of course, please rate us, review us on iTunes. We We've gotten a lot of them. nice reviews lately on iTunes, so thank you, everyone. That was it's been nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's really kind. Really kind. We sincerely appreciate that. Chris, where can uh, people check out your thoughts between now and next week? I am on Twitter and on Instagram at Chris Husted. Chris with a K. And what about you, Tyler? Awesome. I am on Twitter at TJMoss11. Check me out there. And um, until next week, happy hauntings, everybody.